Welcome everyone to this episode of Mothers in Construction Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. Hi, my name is Sharon. I'm with Halpert Life Safety Consulting. I've been in construction since 1999 and started Halpert Life Safety Consulting in February 28th. Will be 12 years, which is so cool. And I'm a mother in construction. I have two boys who are currently 12 and 14. And I'm a single mom, divorced since my youngest was two. And yeah, I'm really excited to sit here and chat with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. No problem. Thank you for being here with us. I found you on LinkedIn. I love what you do, and I want you to talk a little bit more about that. But first, I'd like for you to tell us your interesting story on how you got started in the construction industry. I feel like it was sort of a series of rabbit holes. You know, I went to university, I graduated, and then was a vagabond for seven years. I literally traveled around the world and then realized when I was getting close to my 30s. Who in the world is going to hire a former kindergarten teacher, boat builder, bartender for a real world job? Because I was like, I need to have one of those things people call careers. And at that point, I really hadn't had one. And I didn't think anybody would hire based on my past experience. I'm still just a kindergarten teacher, boat builder, bartender. And now I'm going to have a master's degree. But really, that's not enough. So I thought, okay internship. That'll give me the experience that I need. And then there was also another um, sort of like a keystone course that we did that gave me some really fabulous experience. But I got an internship with Hilti. And my three-month internship kept extending because they kept giving me such cool projects to work on. So after nine months, I was like, hey, I really need to get back to school and finish up this whole degree. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited because they said, Good, we support that, but don't you dare go out looking for a job because we want you as soon as you graduate. And Mm -hmm. how awesome is that to have a job and not have to go out and hunt for a job? Right. So when the time came and they did the career fair, I was interviewing with like the FBI and the CIA and like all these really cool companies. And I loved what we were doing at Hilti. And I loved the people I was working with. So that was the choice that I, that I took. And I'm so excited because it led me down this path. I learned so much. And, you know, we all know we learn more from our failures than our successes. Mm-hmm. And so along those years, I learned a lot about Firestop, about the construction industry, and about me as a person. And um, I worked for them for a while. Then I worked for the second largest distributor of 3M Firestop. And then I got hired on on a project in Las Vegas called City Center. It was a 76-acre project, a $9.6 billion construction project. That was like the original plan. Mm. Um, And I was the one person responsible for making sure all the Firestop got done right. And we're talking one of those buildings had 4,000 keys, 4,000 rooms in one of the five hotels. So it was a massive project. And during that project, I actually was pregnant with both of my boys. Wow. I had the best bosses um, with fabulous learnings from both of them. The boss I reported to most was a guy named Tom Horn. And he and his wife didn't have children. And so when he found out I was pregnant, he was not sure how to handle this pregnant chick on his team. (laughs) Right. And 
I was adamant that I get to bring this baby to work with me as long as he's in my belly. Mm. And the minute he comes out, the clock starts ticking on how much time I get to spend with him. Mm. So my plan was to stay on that job until I couldn't. And I was blessed to have a super healthy pregnancy. The worst thing that happened during my pregnancy is that the guy that refilled the vending machine found out that I liked those Texas cinnamon rolls. So <laughs> three times a week, he dropped them on my desk and I blame him and my absolute, I mean, I got to take a little accountability, a little responsibility, right? Uh, my complete and utter lack of willpower and I gained 70 pounds during my pregnancy and I'm five foot four. 70 pounds on my little body was not good. Wow. So I was very obviously pregnant. I was so incredibly frustrated when I got so big that I could no longer walk between the framing numbers. Like I couldn't go straight on. I couldn't turn sideways. I was like, damn it. Now I would have to walk in and out of the rooms, even though the walls weren't finished. And the guys were laughing at me. And I'm like, this is a funny, you guys suck. You know, that's so funny. I don't mean to cut you off, but that is a real thing. You know, before the walls are finished, we can go through, you can go through the members. But I remember being pregnant and having to go through the framed openings because we could no longer take the shortcut. So that's funny. I was huge. And so here I am. My boss wanted to know my due date. He didn't know how to handle this pregnant chick. And I told him, I was like, look, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm good. And if I'm not good, I'll tell you. Like, I'm an open communicator. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And he was fabulous. The baby, however, decided he wasn't going to come on the due date or the day after. And so here I am, two days past my due date, and my boss comes up to me. And he was so sweet. He wasn't quite sure how to handle. So, Sharon, you're past your due date, right? Do you really think it's a good idea to be going out on the job site? And climbing ladders and scaffolding and all of this stuff. Mm. And I was like, my doctor said it's okay. He's like, um, and I could see he was uncomfortable. And I have so much respect for this man and what I knew he was trying to do. And I said, I got it. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Tomorrow will be my last day in the field. And he was like, <gasps> and I can tell he was hoping that I would be like, okay, good. I'm out. And he was like, all right, that's good enough. And so my last day in the field he, the baby was born four days late. And so then I had my, my window of time that I was out of the office, physically out of the office. Mm -hmm. Um, but my boss did so much to support me through that. He told me, he's like, look, you're going to be gone from maternity leave and we need to have somebody that can do what you're doing. So go find somebody. And then I used my, you know, the, the network of the women and, Christine Callahan, I remember having this conversation with her and I was like, Hey, Christine, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that's in the office, stuck in the office and they don't want to be in the office. They want to go out in the field. And I'd love to hire somebody from on the team so that they, they at least know some of the people. Do you know anybody? And she introduced me to Dina Whipple and I told Dina, I said, Hey, on your lunch break, come with me and we'll go out in the field. I just want to show you what I do. Because, and I, you know, explained the whole thing to her. We went out in the field and she was so excited. She's like, I love this. Let's go. And she was like my staunch advocate. My boss, Tom, was my, a big advocate. Dina is the one that went to HR and said, hey, she's like super pregnant and she's walking all over the job site. Can you guys give her a closer parking space? Mm -hmm. Like I was parking on the seventh or ninth floor 
of the of the New York, New York parking garage, walking down the stairs because I was too impatient to wait for the slow elevator. <laughs> and and I would walk all over the job site because the guys on our team would keep the buggies. And I'm like, I don't have time to wait for somebody to come back. Like I got work to do. So I was all over that project and I I had great people that I worked with. And then um, actually on my first pregnancy, I was doing a training. We were talking about the exterior facades, the fenestration systems on the buildings. And the guy that was organizing the training said, hey, we want to have a little segment where we talk about Firestop. Can you set that up? So I came in and I'm sitting there next to Sam Nichols. He was the vice president at the time. And he was amazing. Like he remembered everybody's name. And I don't know how he did it, but he was phenomenal. And he asked me, he's like, so when's that baby due? And I was like, two days ago. He's like, two days ago, what are you still doing at work? And I looked him straight in the eye, and I think I was maybe a little more vocal than he was expecting. I said, because when his baby comes out, I can't bring him to work with me. So you guys are stuck with me until he decides to come out. Like, God forbid, my doctor said, oh, you need to go on bed rest. I think I would probably have killed somebody. Like, I, I don't know. Women who get stuck with bed rest, I'm like, I give you all the power I've got because I don't think I could do that. It's kind of like moms of twins. I'm like, the good Lord knew I could not handle that. Anybody that gets twins, I'm like, oh, you're amazing. And then the, I had my second child. And yeah, just super easy pregnancies. Although I remember there was this guy. Oh, what was his name? Campbell. I forget his first name. But he was a safety guy. And he comes up to me and he had the, the sweetest intentions. He's like, Sharon, just so that you know, if anything ever happens with you and the baby, um, I've been trained on how to deliver. So I'm happy to help. And I looked at him and I said, that's awesome, but it's never going to happen. And he's like, no, no, no. But if an emergency and I'm like, I get it, I get it. But do you realize that for the baby to be born on this job site, my pants have to come off. <laughs> and he said, my pants are not coming off on this job site is not happening. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> wow. It's funny you say that because that's what happened to me almost had my child on a job site. <laughs> I wanted to to double back because there's so many things that you said and, and, and it's, it's things that we didn't even have planned for this episode, but let's talk about them. One is the fact that you're your boss. A lot of women, um, a lot of concerns for moms in our industry is that some of them are forced to reduce their responsibilities and you can't do that, right? So that's actually not something that can be done but there's a fine line between concern and force. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with someone having concern and having the conversation because they care about you. And yeah, you know, there are some liabilities that you have to consider. You were two days past your, your, your due date and you're still walking up scaffolding and ladders. And when I was pregnant um, and I was working on the U.S. Capitol and we had an extensive amount of scaffolding, and there was some concern with me too, with people saying, hey, you know, you don't have to go up there. We can take pictures. And I said, you know what? Trust but verify. So that's so and funny to say that because Tom had that on his on his whiteboard in his office. It said trust but verify. And then at one point he crossed out and it said trust no one, verify everything. <laughs> well, that's what it re that's what we really mean, right? <laughs> so I was still climbing up there, but I don't want the people that, because we have all, and, and thank God we have 
these protections and these the legislature to protect women in the workplace. But I don't want to discourage the care. It is okay to care. It's okay to ask the questions. You just cannot force. So I like that your supervisor was concerned and had a conversation with you. Secondly, that I am the same type of person that I, I mean, I was forced on bed rest, um, but oh. I, I couldn't imagine it. You know, that was my, my first pregnancy was, I, but I couldn't imagine it because I'm a walk and the same thing with you, impatient, walking down the steps because you got to, you got work to do, yeah. not waiting for the buggies because you have work to do. Um, but that is the mindset of a woman in construction. But I also preach throughout this podcast that you got to listen to your body and you got to make sure that you're in tune with yourself because me with that mindset, I was not listening to my body. And that's why my first pregnancy was just, again, it was out of this world. So anyway, I, I thank you for sharing all of that. Now, um, I want you to go into, now you're an op- entrepreneur, right? And you got to get to that. Um, I want to know what it's like being a mom and then an entrepreneur growing a business. And let's talk about your business. I am so fascinated with the world that you live in because it is the thing that stops projects dead in its tracks. <laughs> when you're dealing with fire protection, fire stopping, it is something that is the code is subjective, right? <laughs> it's it's to me, it's sometimes it's subjective because you can have different interpretations, but whatever the fire marshal says on that project, that's what you have to live by. And you don't want to make that person the person that you're going to start arguing with on your project because you will never get certificate of occupancy. You'll never get final sign off. So that is your world. And I want you to talk about that and being a mom as an entrepreneur in that industry. So I am a single mom, which puts unique challenges to trying to travel for work. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through my divorce, I was truly blessed. I had a project overseas and that's where my my money came from, but it's also where my support system came from because I had a litany of super just strong, loving, supportive people that were in my realm on island because I was working on a project in the Bahamas. Mm. And uh and if it weren't for them, And the financial stability that that project gave me, I would have been a very different mom. Um, Mm -hmm. The divorce was ugly and not worth sharing publicly, but it gave me a lot of latitude. I was really lucky that the husband decided that he wanted to be a very active role in our children's lives. Mm -hmm. So he stayed nearby, which meant that when I needed to travel, the kids went with him. So literally every Friday I was either flying to the Bahamas or flying home. And my kids Mm -hmm. were either going to their dads or coming home. And so that gave me a gap to do my work and focus on work. And then a gap to not have to focus on work because I knew that I was going to be okay financially because I had this project. Mm -hmm. And that project was literally the birth of my company. Mm-hmm. Um, I started the company and then six months, eight months later was like, oh, guess what? This project, my, my company that was supposed to be generating enough revenue to give us extra vacation money, extra Christmas money, extra, you know, put an addition on the house kind of money 
suddenly became what I needed to support an entire household. And if it weren't for that project, I would have been panicking about my financials. And if it wasn't for those people that I had in my, they all had my back, then I would have come out of my divorce a very different person. Mm. That's absolutely amazing. And you're talking about the village. Yeah. Um, It's so important. I have several people that come on this podcast who speak about having to do career changes to be present for their children. I'm one of them. Um, But I always say there's nothing wrong with the women who make that other decisions and you're one of them. And that is to let me do what I got to do because I know that there's a big picture on the other side and let me utilize my support group that that's here. What I realized about myself is that I have a hard time asking for help and utilizing what's here and what's around for me. And that's not good. You know, I'm not saying that it's good, but I think that that also sometimes leads to your decisions in life because it's like, all right, well, I got to give this up and I have to sacrifice because I got to do it. And that's not the case. And there's nothing wrong with someone staying focused on their career and utilizing the support that's around them. So I commend you for that. And I love telling this side of the story. Well, I want to tell you something. And you need to think about this the next time that you need to ask for help or that you're thinking maybe things would be a little easier if you asked for help is that when you ask for help, you're giving somebody else a gift. Mm -hmm. You're not just going, Oh, help me, help me, help me. You're giving them a gift of being able to show that they love and support you. Mm. As um, we were going out, in the evening and I wanted to buy a bottle of wine. I'm standing there in line. There's a lady in front of me. She's got $20 in her hands and she's got two bottles of wine. And she was like, Oh, I thought that they were both, you know, like whatever under $9. And so she didn't have enough money to take her two bottles of wine. Now it's a bottle of wine. And maybe they, maybe one of them was, you know, if they were both 12 bucks. So maybe I, the, the lady's short five bucks. And I was like, you know what? Put it on my account. Like, not that I have an account there, but like, I'll, I'll pay for it. Like, mm-hmm. what's the difference? And the cashier looks at me and he goes, 25 cents. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be the best 25 cents I've ever spent. Then I'm trying to find quarters. And I have coins from all sorts of different countries in my wallet. Mm -hmm. I did not have 25 cents. (laughs) Okay, just put it on my credit card when I buy my bottle. Like, put it on my credit card. It's totally fine. Like, I got to do this. And she's like, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. And I'm like, do you realize for 25 cents, I'm making you happy. You're making me happy. 25 cents to make two people happy. This is the best investment. And then I look at the cashier and he's got this giant smile on his face. And I'm like, scratch that. We're making three people happy. Look at this kid. And That's so it's right. the funniest little diatribe totally made her day, totally made my day. The cashier was like, you're so nice. And I'm like, dude, it's 25 cents. Like, yeah. really? This was such yeah. a cool experience. I love that. Ugh, I love that story. So yeah, you're right. You're right. And I, and I commend you for making the other side of the sacrifices, right? To give people that chance to help. And you're right, because I'm always that person who wants to help so much. So I'm, I'm robbing people of the feeling and the experience that I actually get. So I'm glad you put it that way. It's very important. Yeah. Um, so discuss your commitment to life safety and promoting a safer building um, again. I'm so fascinated and I've become more fascinated the more projects that I've had stalled because, <laughs> because of this thing right here of things, the fire code changing and, 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 you know, just that world of NFPA. 
Um, and and knowing that I think that a lot a lot more people need to take the time to really understand it so that you don't end up in these situations. You know, it's always something I don't want to say it's an afterthought. It's not, but there's but it, a it, it, yeah. it's an afterthought because here's what happens. Uh, the trades are all going to self-perform their fire stop. Yes. Yes. And they send, and, and I'll give you both, both scenarios, right? There's a scenario where the, the trades self-perform and there's a scenario where they bring in a specialty contractor, but they ignore the impact of the trades on the specialty contractor's ability to do their scope of work. Yes. 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 That, so if there's any of your listeners that want to change that, I have a present for you and it's free. If you go to our website, there is a free training and it talks about like I used to teach kindergarten. So I try and take things and simplify them. And people say in Firestop, too many people say, oh, you got to dumb it down. This is life safety, mm-hmm. my friends. If you need something dumbed down, find a different career, period. Right. Like mic drop, quit it. Stop dumbing things down. Einstein said, if you cannot explain something simply, you simply do not understand it well enough. That is the way I try and teach. So the building codes change on a regular basis. Every three years, there's a new building code. So when somebody tells me, but I've always done it this way, one of two things is happening. The code changed and you can't do that the same way anymore, or you've always been doing it wrong. (laughs) Say it, say it. (laughs) And I'll give you an example. I have a world of respect for the man that stood up because he stood up and then he spoke up and I was like, dude, I have a world of respect for you. So I had written a report. We were, we were working on a project in the seismic zone and I had written a report that said that the annular space around the sprinkler pipes wasn't compliant with the code. So here we are towards the end of the project where everybody's going, Oh, we got to, we got to complete these NCRs. we got to close them all out. Right? So we've got a handful of different, fire sprinkler contractors sitting in a room, all of the executives, and they're saying, whoever wrote this report doesn't know what she's talking about. We've never done this. Mm. And so I get called in and I walk into the room. There's a bunch of executives. I knew off the bat and I'm like, okay, I have to step very carefully. I'm on eggshells. And so they said, well, you wrote this in the report and that's not accurate. Now, my world, you mentioned earlier the NFPA. My world is not the NFPA. My world is the IBC Chapter 7 and a little tiny bit of Chapter 17, which is special inspections. So I told this room full of execs that could quite literally get me fired if I said something wrong. And I've been fired because I stand on a moral like pedestal of I am not stepping off this pedestal. You could do what you want to do, but I'm going to do the right thing. And I got fired for it once. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen again, but I'm still not stepping off of my, my moral high ground. And so the way I played this carefully was, you know, as a woman or as a person, right, you're dealt a hand of cards. You know, my card is I'm a girl. My card is my age. My card is my skin color, right? And, and a litany of other things, my personality, how I grew up, my, the way my parents raised me, all of these things. This is my cards that I'm dealt. So I played my damsel in distress card. And I said, I don't know the NFPA. That's your world. Could one of you do me a favor and look up the code? Because I always thought that the code says this. And so if you could educate me and, and I'm wrong, I'm, I'm very happy to be wrong. And you guys would all be happy if I'm wrong, because that means that we close out these reports. 
and there one man in the room said, I can do that for you. Like, look at this lady. And I was a young engineer. So, but here's where I just world of respect. He not only looked up the code, but he sent a copy of the code to everybody that was in that room and said, Sharon was right. We've all done this wrong. We will take immediate action to remediate. Love it. So then this is where it's really fun. Walking down the, down the hall on the job site or on the, in the office, I run by this guy and he looks at me and he goes, uh, Sharon, you knew that code section, didn't you? And I said, oh, 9.4.3.2. Yeah. And he just laughed and walked away. And with that one move, like I could have shown up and, you know, been bossy blady and said, I know the code's better than you. I know, I know. And this is it. And even then, if I presented them with the code, I wouldn't have earned anybody's respect. So you've got to, and, and this is things that I would, I love sharing. And it's not saying, oh, I have to be demure and quiet and passive or passive aggressive, which is even worse. Well, I don't know that I would really balance one over the other, but neither one of them are good, right? Mm-hmm. So learn your cards, learn how to play or you know, I don't want to say manipulate because everyone has a negative connotation to manipulate, but learn how to play your cards to your best advantage. And that was another example of I asked for help and he felt like I'm going to be the nice guy and I'm going to help. But man, he stood up. I want to talk about the story that you just shared, because I think it's a reality of women that sometimes we don't like to to embrace that you got to read the room and it really is not even let me not even say this is a woman thing this is a people thing because yeah yeah and leadership and and communication um and engagement you've got to read the room you've got to know who you're speaking with so if you you saw that you were in there with execs and everybody thought that they knew everything one whatever if you were right it was going to be costly it was going to take time to stop the project and do it right. So you understood that at that moment, like you said, I couldn't come in beating my chest. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm here. You had to come in with, all right, well, hey, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe. Because before you got there, they were already saying that you didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what? Hey, let's just just find it for me. I love that you work that situation that way because we lose a lot by not knowing how to read the room. You know, we don't always have to. I know it's been hard for us and it's difficult that we have to demand respect all the time. So I think that conditionally when you've when you've had to do that for such a long amount of time, you never take off that coat. It's always on. I got to walk in a room and I got to let them know that I know what I'm talking about. But man, you got to switch it up. And I love that you did that. So another story I can tell you in, in case this supports anybody else. Now, I'm 53 this summer. And so working in construction since 99, I, I've learned a lot. And hopefully this helps somebody else. I can't tell you how many times I've had people screaming at me. I know I'm right, but they're screaming at me. Now, one of two things can happen. And what I used to do when I was younger is internalize that and say, there's something wrong with me. I need to fix what's wrong with me so that this person likes me or this person doesn't scream at me. But it's not about me. 
somebody else's reaction about me has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them. So the last time that I was getting screamed at, here's what happened. I said that, and we were on a wood frame construction project, and I was explaining to the plumber that you have to have the right size opening for your pipe. Otherwise, you can't get the depth of sealant. In wood frame construction, you need three quarter inch depth of sealant at the sole plate in order to have any opportunity for that Firestop product to expand and close down the plastic pipe. But when you're running some of the larger pipes, once you consume, I think he said um, two thirds of the wood frame, and I don't, don't quote me on this because I don't know wood frame structural elements, but you have to, once you consume a certain percentage of the wood framing, now you have to put nail plates. Nail plates cost money, both in materials and in labor to install them. So all of a sudden, when you try and make that larger hole, now you've got an issue with this added expense. Mm. So he starts screaming at me. And while he's screaming at me, this is key. I gave him positive affirmation. I understand. I hear you. Absolutely. Yes, that's a problem. Uh-huh. Right. Didn't matter what he was saying. I just let him know he was being heard. Then I took what he said and repeated it. So again, he knew he was being heard. Your concern is this. Your concern is this. His fear was he has other projects that are further along. And if what I was saying was true, he had a liability on these projects. He was not mad at me. Mm -hmm. He was mad at the message. But just because mm -hmm. he's mad at the message doesn't mean it's not still true. It doesn't mean he isn't creating this liability for his firm and for his clients on these other projects. And he was scared. So recognizing, and this one I love, most people, and this is not a gender thing, it's people. They have three emotions, mad, sad, and glad. He was mad. He was angry. He was scared. That all rolls into that one label. And that came out with aggression. So he needs to hear that he's, he needs to know that he's being heard. He needs to know that he's being supported. And then once he can calm down, because if all I did is start screaming back at him, he can't hear me. He's defensive. He's not feeling validated. So I made him feel validated. And then I explained, well, I understand this is your concern. However, the building code says this. I understand this is your concern. However, the project specifications say this. The Firestop submittal that you turned in and got approved tell you that you are obligated to do these things. And with that, he was still angry, but he wasn't screaming at me anymore. And he was able to listen and actually hear instead of be defensive because he felt hurt. So if you're the one that always has to feel heard first, especially if you're a woman in construction, change that narrative for yourself and you will have a bigger impact. Because at the end of the day, my goal is not to be right. My goal is not to be heard. My goal is to support those around me who want to build better. If you want to build better, I want to help. That's kind of like our tagline, but it's not just a tagline. It is a hundred percent true. So if anybody in your audience is like, yeah, I want to, I want to know more about Firestop. A couple things you can do. Check out my YouTube channel because we're doing tons of educational content on that YouTube channel this year. Connect with me on LinkedIn as new stuff drops. It'll be funneling through there. There'll be more stuff on LinkedIn than there will be on the YouTube channel. Search out podcasts like this. Share Tanya's podcast with everybody and not just women. 
not just mothers in construction, but the men need to hear these messages too. So share this podcast. And I love what you're doing, Tanya. This is fabulous. I'm so excited to be part of it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for dropping these gems. Now you mentioned your LinkedIn, but I would like for you to actually provide your handles and provide your website so people can, can get in contact with you. Yeah. So Sharon Halpert on LinkedIn, we do have a business page, but I think I post most of everything I've got as my personal page. There's a Facebook page for Firestop Coffee Break, and there's another one for Halpert Life Safety. But really the majority of my content lives on LinkedIn. There's videos on YouTube. And then our, our website is www.halpertlifesafety.com. And if you ever need to reach me, all of my contact information is slammed all over that. You're welcome to, oh, I've got this thing on a project. Take a picture and text it to me. Oftentimes I can get you going in the right direction with a 15 or 20 minute call. So don't think, oh, I have to sign a contract. I have to, if I can help you quickly, absolutely I want to do that. And oftentimes what I will do is simply share resources with you, people that you may not be connected with that can support your goal of doing things right. And if it's something where it's going to take a day of my time, yeah, we're going to talk contracts. But oftentimes, like if you have a team of people and your team wants to build better and you don't know what that looks like, then, you know, whether it's joining us for a Firestop coffee break training or doing a coffee break workshop, like there's a, a dozen different ways that we could support teams. Some of them are more expensive than others. But again, that free content, and I'll give you the link so you can post it in your, in your show notes. Um, but yeah, there's tons of different ways that we can support people. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.